To Kelly's Green Lounge Radio, we are a cannabis-friendly establishment. Kelly's Green Lounge Radio, podcast number six, the one with the lift. We'll say the one with the lift or the one with the lift off. I'm going to think of something catchy. Um, The one that was recorded at the Lift & Co. Expo a couple of weeks ago. There are three people that were interviewed, Brooke, Julia and Tracy all were interviewed at the actual expo. Uh, so please forgive me when you're hearing distorted sounds and background and everything. I'm I'm a radio announcer by trade. I've taken a minor in production, but I'm not one of those super duper amazing people that can figure out how to cancel out noise and figure out how to make it all sound perfect and not patchy. So forgive me if you're having to change the volume on your radio <laughs> or wherever you're listening to this. Um, just bear with me. I'm learning as I go. I just really want to bring you the information that's so important. And these interviews are important. Uh, Brooke is from Lifting Co., so he was able to talk about that. Julia is from Elevated Culture Toronto, and she's going to talk about that. And Tracy is my public assist. She is a cannabis, well, she works in both both areas. She does publicity for celebrities and news and people that are mainstream. And then she does maybe 40 or 50% of her stuff is actually in the cannabis industry. And that's why I have her in my corner. She's amazing. These interviews are amazing, as was the expo. I I enjoyed it. I will say that. I enjoyed going to it. I enjoyed seeing what it was. And I felt a little bit out of place because it was very corporate. And I'm not very corporate. And I'm just learning that side of it. And um, I've been getting a little bit of backlash about that. So I wanted to talk about that because what that does is that continues with the stigma that we're so trying to erase or it fuels the the negative, the dark side. So as I was promoting that I was going to the expo, I had people that were sending me kind of uncomfortable messages, some of them. Um, Some of them were talking about how I shouldn't be crossing over into the business side and these people are just trying to make money and there's people that are coming from the USA that have never even smoked a joint before. So why am I going and contributing to that? And the bottom line is, is that I'm not here to pick a side. I'm not here to choose whether or not I'm on the black market or if I'm going to a dispensary that's legal or not, if I'm getting my cannabis from the government or from a medical source. I'm not going to choose that. What I'm going to say is that I'm going to help people get their cannabis any way that they want to any way that fits them. There are elderly that I counsel that prefer to go through uh, health practitioners. There are people that don't want to go the health way or the um, legal producer way and they want to go to a dispensary or they want to go to somewhere that is a delivery service. All the ways are absolutely fine. Maybe the Ontario government wouldn't say that. Maybe Health Canada wouldn't say that. Maybe the police even wouldn't say that, but I'm saying that whatever way that you can access your cannabis in in the best way for you is the best way. 
So if that means that you're going to want to learn about it through going through one of these expos that you may think is corporate or selling out or whatever the way that you've attacked me for in the past, and and not everybody has, and I'm talking like a very, very small percentage of people that just send the little comments, oh, well, that's corporate. Why are you going to go there? There's just a bunch of shiny shoes. Yes, yes, there were shiny shoes and there were blazers and there were people that were just there to make money and probably have never rolled a joint before or smoked one, but they are part of this industry and they are assisting others to be able to get cannabis. And that's really what it comes right down to, how we can access our cannabis in the best way for us. Now it is legal. Now there is no prohibition. Now it is accessible to us in Canada. So we need to... Hmm. Be more open-minded, be more understanding to anyone that's trying to access it in the best way that it seems fit to them. This past weekend, I was part of the two-year anniversary party of a dispensary that um, we have given our award for the 2019 Best Dispensary. They are called Medicine Wheel Natural Healing. They're on the Green Mile in Roseneath, Ontario, and they are everything that a dispensary should be. Are they um, one of the lottery winners from on the Ontario government? No. They're established on a First Nations reservation, and they are very, very successful. I think they're one of maybe eight uh, out on what they consider a Green Mile, because you can literally go dispensary hopping from one dispensary to another for about a mile up the highway. Highway 45, I think is what it is. It's in Roseneath. You know where it is. You'll find it if you're here. And I should say Roseneath, Ontario, Canada, because we've just recently been listened to in different parts of the world. I'm so sorry if your cannabis is not legal. Uh, we will keep fighting for it to be legal in all parts of the world as best as we can. I'm talking about Canada and specifically Ontario now because Kelly's Green Lounge is based in Clarington, Ontario. Okay, so back to the reserve. Uh, we go there to get our dispensary on the native First Nations reservations. And the medicine wheel is the biggest one there. And they are doing a wonderful job. They're being accessible uh, to anybody that has disabilities. They're very helpful. The staff is very well trained. And that's why they got our award for 2019 Best Dispensary. Now, does that mean that you need to always get your cannabis from there? No. If you need to get your cannabis from the online store from the Ontario government, go there. If you need to or want to go to one of the legal dispensaries that you can find in Ontario, please go there. Um, So many different ways to access it. It's legal now. Should we be putting other people down for making the decisions to be going to any of these places? Absolutely not. Because that does fuel the stigma. I'm going to judge you for getting it from online from the government. And look at all that bad packaging that you can't even recycle. And it's it's bad weed that's been radiated or irradiated or whatever it is. That, that doesn't matter. They're accessing their cannabis. And that's the most important thing. We'll figure it all out as we go along. As long as we help each other by sticking together to erase this stigma and to not judge anybody about how they would like to medicate. So I went to the expo that I enjoyed. I got a lot of free pens and brochures and pamphlets and networked with a lot of really, really wonderful humans, some who have been in touch with me to do follow-up things and have become members of Kelly's Green Lounge, so that was quite rewarding. 
speakers were there to speak about topics that are ongoing. What I really found interesting was all of the information about the new legislation that's coming out in Canada at the end of this year uh, with the release of the OK Green Light for edibles and topicals. So there's so much to be found, so much information to be found. I found it overwhelming. It was big. It was huge. Um, What was great is that I was able to take home a lot of the information in material form. And I still, I kept it all because I wanted to go through it later when I could sort of absorb it and take it in and read through it and learn as much as I can and see all of the things, the new things that are coming out. I loved it. I loved the expo. I really think it's great. I think that there should be more of these so that we can open it up to the public and and maybe they'll come in and learn a little bit more and that will help erase the stigma as we go as well. So I met with Brooke. Brooke, his last name is Newellmiler, but I think it, I'm mispronouncing it in the worst way and I'm terrible with that. So Brooke, please forgive me. Um, he was uh, he had been in touch with me um, a few months ago when I was taking all my cancels and just the kindest young man, just really willing to help and uh, answer any questions and was very efficient with always getting back to me. And then he reached out to ask me if I was going to the expo. And at that time I said, would you mind if I asked you a few questions, um, interview you for the podcast? And he's, yeah, he would. Uh, He was able to set us up in the media lounge there, the podcast lounge, I think it was called, and um, sit down with me for a few minutes. So this is my interview view with Brooke from Lyft at the Lyft Expo. Okay, so we're here with Brooke today and he works for Lyft & Co. We're at the Lyft & Co. Expo in Toronto. It's nice to have you here, Brooke. Yep, thanks for having me, Kelly. It's a pleasure. You reached out to me because I did my CanSell and my CanSell Expert. Is that sort of what you do with Lyft? You reach out to people that do the courses? Uh, so I, I reach out to people that work across our platform. So I currently work across our events division, which is what we're here for at the Expo, as well as data, our consumer and trade marketing, and then as well as our training platform as well. So really the reason for myself reaching out was to see feedback. We always like to gather feedback. Of course, as a growing company, we always like to make sure that everyone's happy with everything, and it was great to hear your positive feedback on it. I really enjoyed doing the CanSell Expert course. I thought it was incredibly thorough. You've done it too. Uh, what did you like about it? What do you like about the CanSell Expert course? I like the way that it really took you through time. So it goes back you know, kind of over 100 years explaining why the drug went into prohibition in the first place, and then takes you all the way through to modern day. And really goes above and beyond what a lot of people think about cannabis. For example, a lot of people aren't familiar with the terpene profiles. And it goes kind of into that and then starts to speak to where cannabis is today and also speaks to kind of the next wave as well. So that's really exciting to see a lot of that coming down the pipe. And who should be somebody that would take the CanSell and who should be somebody that would take the CanSell Expert course? So the CanSell standard is mandated by the Ontario government for anyone working in cannabis retail. You can kind of think of it more the equivalent to a smart serve program for um, alcoholic beverages. And then the CanSell Expert program is for anyone looking to learn more about anything cannabis related. It was designed with retail programs in mind. Um, and that's what a lot of people have reached out to. But one thing we're finding is a lot of people are taking it beyond that. 
Um, so for example, maybe it's just a new company, they have a bunch of people, and how do you onboard people very quickly? So they're utilizing that, and that's actually been a little bit of an unexpected avenue, and we're really happy that people are using it for that purpose. What's your background, Brooke? How did you get into working with Lyft? So I went to business school at Western in 2016. Uh, actually, at the time, I was interested in consumer packaged goods marketing, and I was reaching out to one of the Johnson & Johnson brand managers, Nick Petiris, and he ended up being the VP of strategy over here at Lyft. Uh, so at the time, I decided to take an agency position, so I didn't end up going uh, the Johnson & Johnson route, but I still networked with Nick, and connected on LinkedIn, and then when I saw he had moved over into the cannabis space, that's when I reached out and I started kind of seeing the cannabis space grow quickly. So I started speaking to anyone that I knew in the space and realized I had to make the jump as soon as possible. That's really cool. So you are a cannabis user. Do you use it for recreational purposes or medical purposes? I use it for both. Uh, so I just recently got a medical script for uh, chronic migraines. I've used a number of different pharmaceutical treatments for that, which I don't find the most effective. Um, in general, I find with my migraines because I get them so often and there's different types, different levels of severity. So I like to say I like to have different levers to pull, whether it's a Tylenol or an Advil or some of the other pharmaceutical drugs or the CBD as well. So I can have those different levers to pull because when you're in the midst of the cannabis industry, you can't go home because you got a migraine in the middle of the day. My boss lets me, he's a great guy. Um, but I usually say, no, actually, I want to stay. Um, so that's from the pharmaceutical side and then from the recreational side of of course, like one just likes smoking a joint once in a while. So. Very true. What's your favorite way to consume? Uh, from a medical standpoint, definitely oils, just because I, you know, smoking is uh, harmful, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but then recreationally, I do kind of like the old school bong. Yeah. Uh, I guess the reason being is just it's more efficient. I don't really like rolling joints. You're often kind of wasting it as well. Um, so that's why I've always kind of been that recreationally in the old school bong market. Do you have a favorite strain? Um, yes, I'd say at least right now I'm still kind of figuring out what's out there in the legal market. I always laugh because I go in and I buy one gram packages, which normally I don't. It's very inefficient, but I've been trying everything. Taste testing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Tangerine Dream by San Raft sticks out to me yeah. just because of the smell profile in that. I find that's very unique yeah. and just the color as well. Uh, so that's very unique and that's something that I definitely enjoy trying. Amazing. What's next for Lyft, Brooke? I can't speak too much to it just as a publicly traded company, uh, but we are in Europe so we do have our Berlin Medical Conference. That's purely a medical play right there. Um, and we do have potential plans for California. Um, that's kind of all I can say at okay. this point. It's but, secret. Yeah. It's sneaky <laughs> yes. secrets. That's amazing. And what's next for Brooke? I'm uh, just really getting my feet wet in the industry and trying to network with everyone. I'm really big on putting faces to names and just watching this whole industry grow. We really appreciate you coming on Kelly's Green Lounge Radio today. Thank you so much, Brooke. Yep, thanks for having me. You know that emoji with the, well, there's a boy one and a girl one, and the they had their hands over their face like, oh, I did it again. I wish that you could see that right now as I'm talking. <laughs> I use it a lot because I make a lot of mistakes and I show my mistakes because I hope that maybe I myself will learn from them or maybe somebody else will. So here's my mistake. I went to the expo, the Lift & Co Expo, and I recorded three interviews and they were amazing interviews. And two of the interviews ended up pretty okay. I mean, the background was still loud and 
I isolated it as best as I could, the interview parts of it with Brooke and coming up Tracy. Unfortunately, the one with Julia from Elevated Culture Toronto did not work out so well. Here's a little clip to show you. I really, um, this is a really important moment in time. Um, the legalization, um, it's kind of is happening around the world. And what I noticed happening in Canada is the government was not providing uh, very much education at all. I had a pamphlet come to my house and arrive in my mailbox that had a few bullet points, um, very brief bullet points information, and it was all about what not to do with pot and how you could get it and how you could still get arrested. There wasn't any, there wasn't any actual useful information for, for people, and I believe that if we empower consumers today with education and knowledge, we can influence responsible, responsible use for generations to come. So you see, I, I don't know if you could hear any of what she was saying there. I'm so sorry again for not being able to fix the levels properly. I'm going to go re-record her because she's got a wonderful message. She's a lovely young woman. She's so intelligent. She's got so much to say and she's for all intents and purposes fierce. She's like a, a driving force in this cannabis industry. She's got a real passion and, and, and a fire about her. She wants to talk about women and she wants to talk about animals and she wants to help with all of that swirling around in the messiness that is the cannabis industry right now. And she's leading the way for a lot of us where in, in different areas that have not been tapped into before. So she does have something to say. And it's very important that we hear her voice at this point in time. It's not going to be on my podcast. Sorry, again. Um, I'm going to go re-record her. I've already got another interview for podcast number seven, and she will be an absolute wonderful completion to that next podcast, and I'll get that done sometime very soon. It's been stopping me from being able to put this podcast out because I've been taken the last week to try to fix this. The other interviews I sort of fixed up enough, and I, again, I'm really sorry if you have to change your volume while you're listening. This one wasn't good enough for Julia. It wasn't good enough. Um, it wasn't as recorded enough for her. She deserves better, and you deserve to be able to hear her message better. So that's why there's only this little tiny clip here, and um, I'm bookending it with uh, an explanation so that you understand that next time we will be able to do it in a much clearer place. I, I we'll go to a library or, <laughs> or, or somewhere you have to be really quiet except for our podcast. We'll do that. So that will be soon. Um, now we are going to hear Tracy Lamore. Uh, she is my publicist. She's wonderful. Uh, she's my friend too, and I and I say that when I smile because she's my friend. I, I just I I'm always talking about Tracy because she's just this she's this little tiny red woman. Uh, she's got this bright dyed red hair and uh, this amazing voice that you're drawn to and a laugh that you can hear across the room and you know it's Tracy. She, every time I'm with her, I just want to be with her more. Uh, and that's why she is so successful at what she does. She's award-winning. She has, I don't know how many clients, but there's a lot. And they're all following her on social media and they talk about her. There's reviews of people uh, all over the industry in different countries talking about how great she is. And she's in my corner and she's my friend and I'm so lucky and I'm so fortunate. And her message is so incredible because she has been in the cannabis industry for a 
very long time. She was on the stages before it became legal and more mainstream. She was alongside the fighters fighting with them to get it legal and to stop the criminalization of it. She was one of the people doing that. And now she continues her fight and so lucky that we are legal now so that she's got more of a platform that she can get on her soapbox and help us. Uh, this is the one and only Tracy. So I'm a publicist and my company is Lamori Public Relations and Marketing. And uh, so I do about four, 30 to 40 percent of my work probably in the cannabis community and sometimes that fluctuates. It can be a lot more, it can be a lot less as different projects come up. Um, so some people don't know what a publicist is but basically publicity. <laughs> so it can be getting um, primarily writing press releases and getting my clients in the media. So I, I like to say a lot of what I've done in the cannabis industry is working with the media to ensure positive representation and truthful representation of cannabis businesses, cannabis consumers, and cannabis. <laughs> Wonderful. And how long have you been working in the cannabis industry? So I believe my first job in the industry, actually formal job, was 2012, and that was funny that we're here talking about this at, at uh, Lyft Expo because we're in the building, the Metro Convention Center here, which was where um, Treating Yourself Expo first was actually Marco Renda. I have to give Marco Renda credit for that work. And he, Treating Yourself existed for three years. It was in this space. It was the first... Um, as far as I know, the first major expo, it was by patients for patients though, so while it was very similar in the sense that it had that whole floor and it was amazing to see cannabis signage, you know, in, in a big, you know, open space, yeah. right? And it was pretty <laughs> radical back then, but um, it was a lot more patient focused and it was a lot less about, like we, were, you and I were talking about selling the product and, you know, yeah, so... Way back in Treating Yourself uh, was my first, and then I and also Matt Murnar right after that, who was at the time, had written the Marijuana Smokers Guidebook. He hired me to do PR, because basically I was already doing PR for entertainment and other companies, and then I became known in the cannabis community just as a patient and someone that hung out in the corner of Vapor Central. And as people got to know me better, they, you know, and the, and the industry started to develop, people started to ask me to help promote their things and bring it into the public. And then part of what I was doing was, in addition to ensuring positive representation in the media, was also helping to guide those cannabis businesses to come out into the light and present themselves as, you know, businesses. So you use, you use cannabis? What? <laughs> what? Am I outed now? Like, actually, it's funny. It's funny. I remember. <laughs> yeah, I've always been pretty public about it. But it's funny. Um, I guess I wasn't always public, public, public. Because I don't know, most people don't know, I do some. I have done in the past some other social justice work, which was regarding uh, wrongful convictions and the death penalty stateside. When I was doing that work, I was pretty quiet about cannabis. It was in the 90s, and you know, I also I have bright red hair. People know me as, and I actually dyed my hair back to my natural brown in those days because so, for both the same reasons. When I was on TV talking about a person's life, I didn't want to be distracted by other issues or have other people be distracted. Other than that, though, I've always been personally really public about cannabis and um, it was funny when my child when my son was in grade five was the first time it was I was invited up onto the stage at 420 Toronto <laughs> and before that I don't think I'd ever had a picture of me smoking a joint on social media and my son was in grade five and you know I had his teacher and the ECE and everybody on my page and I was a little oh is this going to be a problem at school but then I figured out oh, well so I posted it and I said here's me on stage with 20,000 of my closest friends engaging in a little social disobedience because right. sometimes you have to, you know, make a point. And that was under, when it was not legal, right. right? And I wasn't even a medical patient then. But um, 
yeah, so I guess I was out of that. You were. <laughs> you were, but I mean, you've probably faced a stigma longer than most of the people that are working in the industry now. What are the differences that you've seen since legalization and the, what you used to have to fight for before it? Um, it's, it, well, interestingly enough, in the non-canon work that I do, so which we're talking about 60% of my work, so I do, you know, entertainment, which obviously cannabis has always been a part of entertainment. Nobody's ever really raised an eyebrow about cannabis in that world. But corporate or, or just small business, or I mean, I don't really do a lot of hugely corporate stuff, but even just, you know, your average business person, women in business, a lot of the women that I was working with for years, not in the cannabis industry, but authors, public speakers, accomplished women, they never told me they smoked. But just this year, they'd come up to me and say, do you know I vape? Do you know I So I think people are coming out of, there's been a lot of fear, I think, especially for women and mothers, because, you know, there's, I think there's still a lot of moms smoking outside of their bathrooms, afraid of what the neighbors are going to think. Outside the bathroom window. Right? That's been, that was my go-to for years, and yeah. I think a lot of people too, right? Because um, I think as moms, we're judged a lot more too. And then, but now, I mean, look at this, everything's wine o'clock and that's okay, but you know, when your mom, you can't go in, away from the kids at night and smoke a joint and right. medicate and, you know. So I think that's changing, you know, and, and I think I'm seeing that with the comfort level of people outside of the cannabis community who are starting to talk about cannabis, you know, as well as us old school people who've been here for 20 years thinking, I mean, we talk about it like it's a cup of tea and we think people are nuts who don't, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, um, what um, what is your favorite method of consumption? I'm sorry, Dr. Ira Price. Dr. Ira Price is my one of my clients. <laughs> he will tell me to vape, 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 vape. So I should be saying vaping, but and I do like to vape. But really, I'm still a joints girl. That classic doobie. That classic doobie, and that's you know I don't know if part of that is that, and I know it's not the most, it's not the most effective way to smoke. It's not the healthiest way to smoke. It's not even the most economical way to smoke. It's not. But, you know, there's something about that little me time, whether it's in my bath or in my corner and sparking that joint, having that little smoke go up in the air in that 10 minutes. And I don't know. That's your go-to. <laughs> That's, That's my go-to. Go That's my relaxing. It's my what kind of um, medical use are you using it for? What do you, as a medical user, yeah. what do you use it for? So I've dealt with probably since I was about, I'm 49 now, and probably since I was about 24, extreme nausea. And... Um, and it's not, and it's just, I mean, it's extreme nausea to the point where, and it wasn't just stress related. I would, at one point I would be, you know, I'd wake up at five in the morning and, be, and throw up. I would, at one time, not be able to go out for a plan of four hours away from home, you know, at a family dinner or something. If I wasn't going to be able to medicate, I knew I wouldn't be able to eat or whatever else. So I went through all kinds of scopes and doctors and big, you know, they gave me Nexi or big, they didn't even know what to give me or why, what was wrong with me, but they threw whatever at me. Nothing ever helped until I discovered on my own that the recreational cannabis I was using, this is like in the early 90s, I suddenly put together that it, it made me feel better. And then it was the early days you could hear about medical marijuana, but I literally noticed it in my own reactions and then started seeking out. I remember the first time I ever met anybody in the cannabis community, I went to Pride. You know, it might even have been Tracy Curley. I don't know, because I, I went to Pride years before I even met anybody there and and Calm had a table set up and I was so excited to see people with the cannabis as living medicine 
publicly on a on a sign. I could go and talk to somebody else about that, and that was super powerful. Yeah. You know. And then you know, yeah. Yeah. Ten years later. Ten years later. <laughs> what uh, What are your favorite strains? Some of your favorite strains. So when I first heard about strains, <laughs> I kind of assumed they were marketing. <laughs> I thought it was just marketing. Right? But then I think it was Shishkaberry that and Godbud were two of the first ones that I realized. Oh, oh, and Pink, Pink Kush. Those Shishkaberry, Godbud, and Pink Kush are definitely favorites, where I noticed the same effect the next time and the next time, and it was right. equally, you know. So, but I'm um I'm not hugely picky. Like with for me in terms of nausea, THC. Any THC. Anything, I mean, literally, I mean, in the days when I you know wasn't able to smoke, I would just take whatever people gave me. I mean, if it was homegrown, if it was, I even had, had smoked stock at some point when I had to, and there was enough THC in there. Yeah. Because really, for me, smoking also edibles don't tell you when I'm nauseous. Right. So I have to smoke, smoke. something, right? right? And then once people have, been, have told me that. If I was to maintain and be using edibles all the time, then maybe the nausea would go away. I don't know if that's true or not, but you know, when I'm feeling nauseous, the only thing I can do is smoke one or two little tokes, and then I'm fine, and I'm able to work 15 hours a day without it. Not so much. Because you do work that many. Yeah, hours I do. A day. Not, for sure, yes, 15. Yes, you do. Yeah. You absolutely do. So, give us where you think the cannabis industry is headed from what you've seen from where it's gone, mm-hmm. and where do you think that it's going to go to? Where do you hope that it's going to yeah, be? Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a loaded question, kind of where it's headed, where it is today. I mean, we've been here. I mean, I'm, I'm really happy that things are opening up and that cannabis is a consumer product now and that it's a normal consumer product and that we've, because that's getting rid of the stigma and the fear and all that stuff, right? On the other side of it, it's sad when you come here and now, and now lift in the old place where treating yourself was. There's some similarities. I mean, we're all here talking about cannabis. It's an expo. It's, a, you know, 20 years ago, that would have been amazing. But, in fact, Lyft would probably be amazing if we had never seen Treating Yourself. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, there, what, Dr. Iyer was afraid that under legalization, that the focus on medical and all the um, understanding and the new, under, the new understandings of medical and would kind of fade away. And I think we're seeing businesses a lot more interested in the recreational and the packaging and the selling and the marketing. And as much as I'm a marketing girl, all the conversation here is about marketing now. And it used to be about medicine and about you know i mean and, and rec- i mean i was a recreational smoker for sure before i was a, a medical user but even even in that there's a culture even with the recreational there's a culture there's a sharing culture and there's a not the can not cannabis culture but the small c small c culture um and yeah so and that is really lost here i think we're seeing not just the i'm not just talking about the lp divide between lps and dispensaries and the rest of us but we're, but the big business i mean in terms of of industry like half of the floor of lift here today is like we were talking about giant industrial machines, machines. Yeah. like i mean giant industrial machines like if you don't own a factory you're not there's nothing here you for no you right so <laughs> well not there's nothing but i mean like generally so now i think the industry when we used to come to expos like this, there was a lot of health-focused stuff. There was a lot of smaller industry players. There was, lot, and now it seems like most of the conversation is about, you know, just big, big producing, big production, and and that kind of and thing. And so yeah, we're losing now. that a bit. But I hope. But you asked where I hope it would go, and I think, and I mentioned this before, as I was watching an American um, documentary about women in cannabis, and a couple of the women in that documentary made some points I hadn't heard up here, which were that. This is the first industry ever, really, where the first industry that's emerging in modern times other than tech. So the cannabis industry is new, like tech is new, but unfortunately in tech, women didn't take a lot of, you know, women didn't rise as, as high as they should. Right. They're still fighting that battle to be heard in tech. 
cannabis can be different. We're the bakers, we're the healers, we're the whatever. So, you know, we have the opportunity now to build, it was every other industry was created 80 years ago when we were barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen and then lucky to be a secretary. Right. We're at the, ba you know, we're actually creating a new industry here. We have, we're all, everybody can be equal players, right? So we have to, um, question ourselves why I've heard recent numbers Canadian Women in Cannabis a new organization was saying that numbers in the boardroom are, are disappointing that over 90% of corporate cannabis is men in the boardrooms and that's really shocking in yeah. Canada when coming from the, the, the cannabis culture we have a lot of really strong women leaders in this community and lot you know business women in business women from Abbey Roach to you know but yet we're seeing in the boardrooms 90% male so what's going on yeah what can we do to <laughs> after uh, instead of being angry as activists or whoever who wants to point at LPs, be have a presence, be at the tables and be there and like, you know, bring it back to the culture and the healing and remind those people that are coming in to make the dollar that sure there's a lot of dollars to be made, but this is not, you know, this is not alcohol and this is not tobacco. It's medicine. It's medicine, That's right? right? It sure so. is. Where can we find you, Tracy, if someone's looking for a publicist? Oh, good Lord, everywhere. <laughs> Apparently I'm everywhere. <laughs> uh, but I live on Facebook. <laughs> like, it's my go-to. So, uh, Facebook, Tracy Lamori, or Instagram, Tracy Lamori, PR Media, and I'll have to spell that because Lamori. So, Tracy is T-R-A-C-Y, and then Lamori is L-A-M-O-U-R-I-E, PR Media. Um, or just like almost everybody in the cannabis community has me on their Facebook. <laughs> so you yeah. just look for the Tracy. Okay, so we're going to end this interview and go outside with the cool kids and okay. smoke our joint. Go play with the cool kids. Go yeah. play <laughs> the only purpose of this podcast is to entertain, educate, and to inform. It is no substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. Instead, we encourage you to discuss your options with a healthcare provider who specializes in medical cannabis or with a cannabis lawyer. Guests who speak in this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions, and Kelly's Green Lounge has not and cannot be held responsible for guests' views. This podcast is available for private, non-commercial use only. Advertising which is incorporated into, placed in association with, or targeted towards the content of this podcast is forbidden. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute this podcast in any way.